0: Welcome to the Probate Podcast, where we talk about all the things you didn't know you need to know about probate. My name is Sherry Lund, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want you to understand the process and to know what to expect, because it's going to make things easier and it's going to save you money. And I'm here to show you how. Hi there, my name is Sherry Lund, and this is the Probate Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, my guest is Matt Van Dremelen. And he's with Full Circle Aftercare. I can't wait for you to hear about what he does and how he can help people really across the nation. He's doing great work across the nation. Let me tell you a little bit about him. But before I do, I want to remind you to get your favorite drink and to get a pen and paper because we're going to be talking about some things that you're going to want to remember. And we'll get started. Ben, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah.
0: So Matt Van was born and raised in the foothills of the majestic mountains of northern Utah. Beautiful area. Been there several times. He married his high school sweetheart, Marquesa, and they have six children, ages 4 to 15. Matt and his family love the outdoors. They like to ski, camp, rock climb, and kayak. They're focused on teaching responsibility and hard work to their children, and they're in charge of tending the garden and helping raise the backyard bunnies and chickens. Matt served a two-year mission trip with his church in Bolivia, and he speaks fluent Spanish. He loves to build things and solve problems, so he studied civil engineering. After years of working on commuter rail projects and right-of-way, Matt's friend approached him about a problem in the funeral industry. Families were struggling with the logistics of closing estates after the loss of loved ones. In 2013, he founded Full Circle Aftercare to help families with those difficult tasks. Now they have hospice and funeral home clients in 37 states, and they serve 1,700 families a month. That number's growing. So Matt, again, thank you so much for coming. I was excited when I heard about the service that you offer. I think it's highly, highly needed and seldom talked about. And so you guys really step up and provide a great service in a niche that's necessary, I think.
1: Thank you. It's honestly just wonderful work to be able to help families because it's a confusing time. It's really not complicated what we deal with, but it's complicated when you have that emotional tie of losing a loved one and not knowing what those next steps are can be difficult. And then, you know, we don't do these things every day. So it's nice to have someone step in and hold your hand through that process.
0: I was a naturopath and part of my work was in the emotional health and how it translates to physical health. And grief has so many facets to it. And one of them is, we just don't think, we cannot think well when we're overcome with grief. It's not predictable. It's not like we could say, okay, from four to six in the afternoon, I'm gonna let myself grieve. It comes on us in the strangest of times. And then it's unpredictable, it's overwhelming, and it's exhausting. So what we could have done before we lost our loved one, we could have knocked it out in an afternoon maybe. Now it takes us weeks and months just to have a cohesive thought. It's hard to even put words together sometimes when we're in grief. And even though what you do is not complicated, I don't want to diminish the importance of what you're doing because you're an objective person to the family. And I know that you don't physically do all of the work for all of your customers, but your team comes in and is able to take the reins for the family. So describe what full circle is and what you do.
1: Absolutely. So when someone passes away, everything that person's life touched needs to be addressed by the family members. We think oftentimes of the funeral and we think of the personal items. Where do we take dad's guns and the book and what do we do with this car? But we don't think about all the other things that our lives touch. Everything from government benefits like Social Security to pensions, one ks credit cards, utilities, memberships, Netflix and ARP memberships, the newspaper subscriptions, and just going through all that can be really complicated. I keep this under my desk. I won't show you the logo, but a big funeral home conglomerate sells this big albatross with a two and a half inch binder inside. And this is a pretty comprehensive list of everything that family would have to know to get through those next steps. And because it's so frustrating and so difficult for the family, this is overwhelming. Nobody wants to go through that two and a half inch. And so what we determined is families need some handholding. They need a real concierge to walk them through this. And so that's what we are. We're just a concierge service where we white label under services like funeral homes and hospices and law firms and even some real estate agents across the country. And what we do is they pay for our service or they sell our service to their families. We go in and we help the family figure out what those next steps are. What accounts did their loved one have and what needs to be closed down? And then we will systematically go through each of the phone calls to make the notifications and help them start that process. We're not attorneys. We're not trying to be. We're not financial planners. We're not trying to be those either. We're really just helping with that notification process and getting organized and what those next steps are and then helping the family find other professionals that would help them if they need such as an attorney or a tax advisor moving forward. So that's okay. it in a nutshell. It's really just handholding, understanding what the family needs to do, helping them make the notifications and phone calls, fill out whatever paperwork we can and taking a process on average it takes a family with less than $10,000 of assets, 14 months to make all those notifications. Wow. Average we're done in less than a week and we call for them and oftentimes they have to make one or none phone calls. Wow. Have it happen.
0: That's amazing. I didn't realize it took that long and that you guys can do it so quickly.
1: We can. Well, you take the emotional side out of it. Yes. Also take the fact that, hey, if I'm going to call Social Security, I'm going to call the general number. I'm going to sit on hold for 50 minutes on my own. But because we do such high volume, we can call Social Security and get in on average in less than seven minutes. Wow. Or same thing. You're going to call a utility company and press one, press seven, press four. Yes. Did I press the right number? And I yes. got hold for an hour. We have built connections with most of those companies so we can get right in and we know how to make the notification.
0: There's that little video. And we can all relate to it, but when you're on hold and the computer is asking you, what do you want? And you start screaming at the phone because you've told it already. I want to speak to a representative, you know? Yeah. Yes, the person down the street can hear you talking to the phone. <laughs> screaming at the phone. Yes. So you don't have to do that because you guys skip ahead and you have all those numbers handy. And But has there been something for you that has touched, that has connected with you, like the sense of fulfillment of the logistical stuff that you're doing?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As an engineering background, for me, it's all mathematics. It's linear course. Just like you said, right? And Hey, how can I take a complicated process and make it simple, easy, and user-friendly what I didn't calculate was the emotional side of it. And I remember I was probably just a year into it. We were trying to struggle and figure out the company. And I was really trying to get things more effective in our usage. And I was working with a hospice out of Wyoming. And this gentleman I helped, his name was Earl. He had lost a son who's 22 years old. And his son had been disabled his whole life. So it wasn't completely unexpected. He was on hospice. They knew he would die young. And Earl, I grew up watching like John Wayne and the spaghetti westerns. And Earl sounded just like John Wayne. Kind of had that <laughs> brawl, sounded like he could chew up nails and spit them out. And I remember going through the checklists and of all the things we could normally help with, there were just one or two items we needed to do for his son. You know, I dealt with some social security benefits. I dealt with canceling a credit card, setting up some fraud protection. And that was about it. And I'm sitting there on the phone and I'm like, Earl, that's it. I don't think there's anything else we need to do for yourself. But it's just silence. And I'm like, Earl, are you there? Did I lose you? And suddenly he comes back choked up. Now here's Mr. True Grit, right? right? And he's choked up and he goes, Matt, the thing I have dreaded most after my son died was calling these strangers and having to say my sweet son's name and telling them that he passed away. And the fact that you did all of that for me. Means everything to me. And all of a sudden, it just touched me in a way that I was like, this is more than helping them with logistics. This is holding someone's hand who just lost someone who's part of their life and they love them. And now they don't have to sit on hold. They don't have to talk to a stranger and be like, my son died or my mom died or my wife died. Instead, we can do that for them and we can take that weight off their shoulders. And give them a little peace of mind. And at that moment, my passion for this completely changed. And it wasn't yeah. so much about the logistics. That's a still big part of it. It was about helping people and being there for them at a difficult moment of their life.
0: Sure. You saw value that was intrinsic at that point. I have a friend who is a widow. I think her husband passed away four years ago and in- She said one time that she was trying really hard to keep his memory alive and to keep things around, to keep him with her, even though he was gone. But she had to make those phone calls. She didn't know about your service. And so she said, Sherry, while I am trying to keep his memory alive, I'm also having to call people and tell them to erase his name from our account or from that statement or whatever. And just the conflict of that was Like, how do you bridge that? How do you rectify that? And I didn't know as a friend, I was number one, honored that she shared that with nobody else that explained that to me. But number two, I felt helpless to know what to say back to her. And they're so vulnerable and so fragile that I don't want to say the wrong thing. So sometimes I say nothing. And that's not always good either. So the fact that you guys just take that away and let them have their peace and heal as they need to, you take that on so they don't have to, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: We notice a transition as we're helping families because at the beginning, we get a lot of families who are almost stoic about the whole situation and others who are maybe a little angry and a little frustrated about what we're going through and I remember we had our trainer, she was helping train a new employee. And I peeked my head at the beginning and this new employee looked at me with eyes this big and I could hear this guy and he was just angry at the world and kind of cussing everyone out. And I talked to a therapist who had gone to our service and he goes, there's something about that. There's this weight. And as these things come off, it lifts the weight, but then all these other emotions bubble up, right? Like you said, like they're being erased and difficult, but also needs to happen. So oftentimes they will get very emotional. So he was this big jerk and swearing at everyone and everything. And then all of a sudden he just stops and he starts crying uh, after they'd gotten through a big item that he needed to get off his plate. And he goes, I feel so relieved. And thank you so much for helping me. I'm sorry I've been angry. I just don't know how to deal with this loss. And so this new employee came walking out of there and like, this is the best work. <laughs> I thought she was going to quit on her first day. Because she was so taken aback by this guy, but she's, yeah, this is important. And you're right. It's difficult to get through. That's why it's so nice to have someone there who's caring. You can hold your hand through that process so you don't feel like you're doing it by yourself.
0: And what I like about what you do is it's not anything that I do, but what we do is parallel. So you offer concierge services for admin type of stuff. And I do the boots on the ground, dealing with the property and the personal belongings and whatnot. And so, so necessary. yes, but also compatible and very necessary. Getting information from people, that's the hardest part, because once we can get the information, it's the decisions that they have to make. I can run with that for a little bit. And then if we need to make adjustments, I can come back and make adjustments. But that first initial piece is the hardest. What is your process and when should somebody call you? How soon?
1: This has been something that's been actually a big learning curve for us. We thought that the ideal time to call us was about the six-week to two-month mark. And so we would have our funeral homes that were referring families over to us, wait a couple months, and then send them to us. And we started getting a lot of complaints from families. And the biggest complaint was that we'd taken so long to reach out to them because there are those who feel like they need to do something. And I think a perfect example of this is my wife is a ballet teacher. So she's stay-at-home mom, but she likes to teach ballet. The owner of the ballet studio, her husband passed away about a year ago. And so Marquesa calls me and she says, hey, will you call Clyde and just give her our service to help her with the passing of her husband? I said, absolutely. So I call Clyde and I'm like, Clyde, I don't know if you know what I do, but we help close out the kind of the admin things of an estate. And. I'd love to offer you our service for free, anything I can do to help. And she's, I would love that. I can't talk right now because I'm at the bank. So let me call you back this afternoon. And I was like, Clyde, you're at the bank. Turn around and walk out the door. And she's like, no, 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 I'm next in line. Clyde, just turn around and walk out the door. I need to talk to you right now. And she's, oh my goodness. So she goes out and she goes, what? And I was like, were you going to tell them that Spencer just passed away? And she's, yeah. And I was like, you know what they're going to do? They're going to freeze your bank account. Is that the same bank that you do your, run your business out of? Yes. Then your business banking will also be frozen and you won't be able to pay your rent for the studio. You won't be able to collect checks. You won't be able to do anything until you get through that next process. And she was taken aback. Oh, I had no idea. And so what we find is the funeral homes have now completely reversed course. And they ask us to reach out to the family within 72 hours after death. Wow. Not because we typically start the process that soon, but just so we can be there as a resource saying, hey, we're here. If you have any questions before you do anything, talk to us because there's an order. We have to do certain things in order or it's going to create a little bit of a mess. And so, yeah, the sooner the better. After someone has passed away, We can help them, and then oftentimes we'll talk through a few of their initial questions, and we'll actually do our service. We usually start at about two to three weeks after death, depending on what the family situation is.
0: And what is that process like when they call you? Do they need to have statements on hand? Do they need to have bank accounts and all? Do you handle that the first conversation or?
1: Typically not. So typically the first conversation, we're really asking questions, figuring out what there is. And most families don't. Even spouses don't know. It seems like one spouse dealt with all the finances and all the paperwork and one spouse didn't. And when that one dies, the other ones have no idea. I don't know. Do we have retirement accounts? Maybe. Oftentimes it's just asking those questions to start giving direction of what we need to do. And then we're going to help them search for those items. So we might be pulling credit reports to see what accounts are open. We might have them pull out a bank statement and just look at, hey, what money's coming into the bank? What money is going out? And just walking them through a couple of tips and tricks to help them figure out what there is to do. And then obviously helping complete that process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you describe the types of clients that you get? Are they mostly surviving spouses?
1: Yeah. I mean, the surviving spouses, there's definitely the most to do with the surviving spouse because most accounts don't need to be closed, but they need to be transferred to one spouse's name Mm -hmm. or. Sometimes they don't want to do that. So it's just a little bit more information as well as like government benefits. There's a lot to do there. I don't know if you know this, but Social Security was audited a few years ago. It was a sample audit, so it wasn't a full audit. But they looked at widows and widowers who should have received their espousal benefit. And they found that only 18% were receiving their full spousal wow. benefit. Wow. But 82% were underpaid. And those types of situations, obviously there's a lot for us to do to make sure that all their benefits come through and those things take care of. And then with an adult child, or are losing a parent that's going to vary on our work. Sometimes there's very little for us to do because a well, mom's been in retirement home for the last 30 years. She hasn't owned a check, put, let alone a credit card, let alone. That's true. Icky bills. Right. And so There's just not that many people to contact. There's no surviving benefits because there's no surviving spouse. All the way down to we've had situations where we had a young widow that I helped. Her husband was serving in Afghanistan, got her got really sick and ended up coming home. So she's raising three kids by herself and her husband comes back sick. She quit her job to take care of him and he passed away about six months later. I guess she was young, she just was a little bit naive to how things work. And wouldn't you believe it, her landlord comes over to her and says, hey, I heard that your husband died. And if that means you can't pay rent, then you might as well move out now so I don't have to fix you. So she's thinking she's gonna be moved down, she's gonna be homeless, she has these three kids, she has no income source. And I remember starting that phone call and she was just so panicked. What is going to happen to me? And after, that one is a little bit longer there was a lot of things to do with that kind of situation and after about two and a half hours we'd have everything worked out we got her benefits all set up and I remember she was going to have $1,700 a month coming in we found like $5,000 life insurance policy we found some rental assistance we found all sorts of things for her and she goes man I can do this like hearing that confidence in her with the beginning, just that transition over a few hours was really beneficial. So it really depends on the family, even those families where there's not much to do. Sometimes having the peace of mind of going to a checklist with someone, figuring it out and being like, there's nothing else you have to do for your mom or your dad. Sometimes they give us the greatest reviews because they were just so stressed about it. They didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And right. And
0: guys are another set of eyes and you do know what to look for. So that the assurance that would come from having someone like y'all look at their accounts would just be that stamp of approval that they need. You can just check that off. So they don't have to worry about it.
1: I've done a lot of situations where I'll go to like assisted living facilities and talk about our service. And I always ask the question, who here dealt with this? Raise your hand. What was your experience like? And they're always like, oh, I loved it. It was the best experience. Though so they're always like, it's <laughs> awful. I had no idea what yeah. to do. And yeah. I always ask a question How long did it take you? And guess what? The number one answer is I don't know. I'm not sure if we ever finished. Exactly. Right. right. And yeah. so they're carrying this grief and they're also carrying this worry and this anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thing I missed. Did I do something wrong? Did I yep. miss out on something for yep. the rest of their lives? And just having someone go through, like, that's it. You don't even yep. worry about it. That is really helpful.
0: I would have to say the same thing with settling the estate from the property level. There's one family that I know of. It's the most extreme that I've heard of, but they've kept the house vacant, but they keep maintaining the lawn for 10 years. They keep the utilities on because they can't stand the thought of selling the property. So they're still liable for it. They're still maintaining the taxes, but no one is living there because they've made it into a monument. But even when people have moved on, say the surviving spouse, they don't always transfer the title. So when the second person passes away, then the adult child finds that probate was never really tidied up and finished. And yeah, it can just go on indefinitely and then it becomes a bigger problem down the road.
1: It does. It makes it such a gift to your children. Yeah. When you have the first spouse pass away to make sure that everything gets transitioned correctly so that they don't have this big, huge mess to deal with. If you can take care of it, that is such a gift. And it's so nice when that has been done correctly.
0: Yeah. Yes. I would underline that from my personal experience. When my mom passed away, dad passed away 18 months later. Of course, I grieved my dad, but I also grieved the loss of both of my parents now. And so it was like some of mom all over again. It was different with dad and it was compounded, but to have that taken off of our plate would have been really nice to sure. say the least. So you're in 37 states. Yes. I won't make you name them all.
1: Just but... added Canada too. So we're headed up. Into oh,
0: this- yeah. The- Good job. Thank you. That's awesome, Matt. So obviously, I sh- maybe I shouldn't say obviously. Do you have people in every state that go and talk to people in person?
1: Great question. No, we, when we first started out, everything was in person. And what we found was we were better tag teaming with people like you, right? People like you can go in and talk to them about personal property and about selling the house and those types of things. For the admin thing, sometimes it just stressed the family out to have us come and they need to clean the house. They need to do those things. So we started doing it virtually just over the phone and through Zoom calls. And found that families much preferred that and being able to do that allowed us to keep our costs low. So we really reduced the cost of our service, which allowed us to help more family. So we have our main call center here in Utah. We have remote employees all over the place, but this is the principal area. And then we have experts based upon whatever area you were. So in our Texas market, we have estate specialists who have been trained for Texas laws understand that some of them are living in Texas and some just study Texas laws and step in there. But they're all going to be remote, even if they do live locally, just because it's easier for the family.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, do people ever misunderstand what you do?
1: Oh, yeah. I think sometimes people think that, in fact, our original name was Final Assistance, And for some reason, people heard financial assistance.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So
1: I think a lot of times people think that we are trying to help them find money or invest money or things like that, which we don't do any of that. And sometimes people think, want us to do things that are really better suited for an attorney or a real estate Uh agent. We just can't get into those areas. They're not what we are for. But if they're explained properly, I think most families understand what our scope is and- how we fit into that will or which cog we are in that will of those next steps.
0: Yeah. With identity theft and all of that, can you talk a little bit about that and how, what you do plays into that?
1: Absolutely. So identity theft is a huge problem. I think the last statistic I saw was about 2.5 million deceased individuals get their identity stolen every year. 2.5 million, which is a huge number. And there's nothing worse for that family to have, to lose their loved one and then have their loved one's affairs muddied by an identity theft. And we do several layers of that. The very best thing is to turn off all the credit bureaus because most lending and a lot of fraud financially goes into credit bureaus. So that's a process. The first thing we'll do is we'll set up fraud protection on the deceased name and every person in the family, because it's not always just targeted at the deceased. Oftentimes it's targeted at the surviving. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we'll do broad protection for them. Then we go in and help the family permanently close out all the credit bureaus. So that social security number and name can't be used. We do a deceased registry, which is a government registry that helps them stop other like insurance policies and things like that being issued in that person's name. We, like I said, the credit monitoring, we also put all their phones on. Do not solicit. We, one thing we're able to stop about 95% of the junk mail that comes in that deceased name, because we'll update the National Drug Marketers Association. And they want their list updated anyway. That's where most of the junk mail comes. But that also protects the family because oftentimes people take that junk mail, credit card offer or something, they'll fill it out, apply for it, and That's how the fraud occurs. And having us check all those accounts, plus making the proper notifications to government benefits and things like that, which is also a big area of fraud, should take care of it. And then we want to remove their name from as many sources as possible. So we're taking their name off lists. We're taking them off memberships, off of subscriptions, off of all those different things, which then further helps protect that family from fraud.
0: Yeah. So you're taking that burden from them. You're taking this weight away of the potential for identity theft. Is there something else that you help families avoid?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things we're really trying to help the families avoid are more problems down the road or making good decisions at this point, right? We're going to do a lot of education on things that could happen next, right? So we're going to educate the families. What is probate? And what does that mean? What is a will? What is trust? When would one get triggered or when would you need a trust when do you need a will? What's the legal side of it, the financial side, payable upon death. There's a lot of education saying this is what it was now that it's just one. So for example, two spouses marry, they own a home together. The one spouse passes away in most states that doesn't trigger probate. The surviving spouse is able to sell. They'll just need to bring a death certificate if they sell that home. But if they do nothing, when they pass away, it will trigger probate for their children. So helping them understand your situations now change. So moving forward, here's the things we need to put in place to protect your estate and protect your children. Now we're not going to do that, right? So you need to talk to an attorney or we can give you a discount code through an online form if you just need a will or something like that. We're going to help them facilitate those next steps. But yeah, a lot of it is that education on the state matters that people don't understand. Getting their name off things, changing the name, funding, the trust, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because that's one more step. That's moving them from this situation of loss and cleaning that up to making the next step of their life neater, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And giving them more peace of mind. Right. really want to do.
0: Yeah. What's a common question that people ask you when you get them on the phone?
1: I think the most common thing we deal with is the last payment of Social Security. And it is so misunderstood and so many families miss out on that payment. So social security pays a month in arrears. So the check they receive in August is actually July's payment, right? The check they receive in September is actually August payment. And people don't really understand that. So oftentimes what they'll see is, you know, my dad died September 1st. Social security deposited a check and then they pulled it back out. And I assume that's because he died in September. He wasn't getting this month's check. In reality, he does get that last check because it's August payment, and he lived the entire month of August. Different right. story if he died like August twenty eighth. But the fact that he lived till September first, he does get that last payment. They see it pulled back. So one of the things we're dealing with over and over again is playing to the family. No, you are due that payment, and we can help them fill out the form. Super easy form. It's called if you can just Google it. Social Security Form seventeen twenty four and Getting that will help you claim that last payment. They just need to know which beneficiaries to pay it to. So those simple things, I think government benefits definitely are our number one source of questions, the most confusion, and the thing that we usually start out with because families are most stressed.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful information. And so if someone were like you mentioned, died on August 28th, would they be prorated for that last month of August? Unfortunately,
1: no, they won't be.
0: Wow. So it's the last full month of life yep. is what you're saying. Okay.
1: Yeah. But they would be able to keep the check they received in August. Sure. But depending on when they die in the month. And hey, they might die August 15th. They might not be getting a social security check till the end of the month. They get that notification. What well, It's the same situation. They thought that check gets pulled back out or they never received that August payment. They assume that's okay, but they do need to apply for it. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good thing that you clear that up. What's a case that you're working on that you can share?
1: There was one gentleman who got spooked because he thought the banks were going to steal all his money. And he went and bought a bunch of coffee cans and buried the equivalent of about $50,000 in $500 increments throughout his whole year. Wow. <laughs> and so the family is digging all these up and making sure that's not taken care of. All sorts of crazy, funny stories that we're dealing with. And our goal is to meet the family where they're at. A good right. example of that is during COVID, all the social security offices shut down. And so we had a situation where we had a woman who was helping her husband out of the tub. She fell back and broke her hip. So she oh, goes wow. to the hospital, but it's COVID restrictions at the time. So it's completely shut down. She can't see anyone or talk to anyone. Her husband, who was already at the end of life, ended up passing away about a week later. So she can't have a funeral. She can't see her family. It's a really sad situation. They just did a direct cremation from this like direct cremation society. And the people who took down the information took it down wrong. And so when they reported to Social Security, they reported that she had passed away, not him. Oh, no. It makes the two Social Security numbers. So when we call Social Security to figure out her payments and benefits, they're like, we have hers reported dead. But then we have this other death certificate coming from him. So... We're just going to freeze all the accounts right now, which oh, no. was her only source of payment. Right. Like, no, that's not it. How do we clear this up? Well, the policy is you got to come into the office with the death certificate and an ID. We can see you're alive, he's dead, and we'll make that no. But all social security offices were closed. And so she has just been through the ringer. She had just lost her husband. She couldn't see her family. She's been in the hospital. And now she lost her only source of income for who knows how long. You would think that Kathy, who was helping her at the time, would be like, I'm so sorry. Let me know if there's anything I can do. No, she didn't stop. She just keeps on bugging Social Security. She goes up and up, hits a wall. She doesn't get any answers. The next thing I know is I get a call from the senator from Alaska's office. <laughs> and they're like, we have someone named Kathy. Is she work for you? And I'm like, yes. She has been calling us nonstop. What is going on? And I was like, well, you have one of your voters who has this situation and she can't get through social security. We need your help. Next thing I know, social security admin calls me and says, what can we do to help? Hey, you oh, get a wow. politician involved. I guess the work, oh, but that, that's I think, an
0: awesome story.
1: That just shows the type of people we hire, like Kathy, who they're going to meet the family where they're at, figure out what their needs are, and then help them any possibly way we can, including, I guess, getting an active.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yay, Kathy.
1: Yeah, she's amazing.
0: That is awesome. Okay, awesome. Is there something, Matt, that that you would have liked me to ask that you would have liked to have talked about that's come to mind since we've chatted?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that I'd love to talk about are the amazing people that work here. So uh, a quick story. My wife got her master's degree at age 22. She got invited back by the university to become a full professor. So she's teaching classes. She's younger than most people, doing the, most of her students. She's doing this research and everything. So we get married. We have our daughter, Eliza, and she calls me up one day and she goes, I'm going to quit my job. I was like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're not quitting a job. You're losing a career. And she's like, I don't care. I just want to be a mom. There's nothing else more important to me. And after that experience, I started noticing how many women sacrifice for caretaking. Sometimes they had to work part-time. Sometimes they're able to maintain a job, but it's just really hard. Sometimes they do stay home with their kids. And oftentimes when they go to re-enter the workforce, some employers will not recognize that gap in their resume. And it's hard for them to get a good paying job that values them. So I hate that idea. I think moms are just the bomb. They're the best. And I went and interviewed about 20 stay-at-home moms when I was creating this company. And I said, if you were to enter the workforce, what would that need to look like for you? And they gave me all their information and that became our employee manager. And so my idea was that I could help them get a better job by getting them some experience, building their resume, and then they could go off and get a job at an insurance company. You know, I've helped 1,200 families deal with your insurance company. I know all the forms. I know all the processes, right? but I was shocked in two ways. One, they're not leaving. I thought they'd move on. <laughs> they're all still The other thing that shocked me was that became our secret sauce. There is something about these women that they know how to be caring, but not patronizing. Sometimes families just need to be like, look, we got to get through this. You got to buck up and go through it. We got to get it off your plate because it will be better for you. And there's sometimes if I say that, I might just sound like a jerk but they can say it in such a loving, caring way. And they truly do just love and care for these families. And so we'll have these funeral homes who really care about their community. And they're like, oh, we send our families to a third party. Are they not going to be treated right? And they get these women on the phone. They are so amazing with the families that they'll often go back and be like, the best part of our service was that aftercare service. And we even offended our clients because they're like, what do you mean they're the best part? We're the best part. But <laughs> I work in a company almost completely of women and they are fantastic, wonderful, so smart, and do such a good job for these families.
0: Well, what do you call that person that's working for you? Are they a customer representative? Or are they an agent? What do you call them?
1: Estate specialist.
0: Okay, estate specialist.
1: Yeah, they and, have to be really trained because we don't read off a script. We have to know all those things. We have a checklist that has to be covered, but the family's going to be jumping all over the place and they have to be able to yes. jump with them and not read a script or not need like i they have to have a mile deep of knowledge so they understand exactly what that family's asking.
0: And then rein them back into where they need to be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like I'm I, sure you do all the time.
0: Yeah. And I was a mom. So, you yeah. know, i stay home mom for a while. So, yes, I get it on several levels. So an estate specialist is assigned to the family and then do they stick with that or do they get a different person every step of the way?
1: No, great question. They stick with one person. Every once in a while, they might need to have one other per, one other state specialist step in who's maybe more of an expert in veterans benefits or something like that. And so they'll tag team, but they're always dealing with one estate specialist through the whole process and maybe someone is assisting on one or two items.
0: Okay. Good job. How do people that are listening that maybe want this service, how do they say, sign me up?
1: Sure. So they can come to our website, full-circlecare.com. We right now don't market direct to consumer because we have really been focusing on our partnerships with funeral homes and hospices and law firms across the state or across the United States. But we plan on launching a little bit more and direct to consumer, probably the end of next year. It's just me as a founder. I didn't get any investor dollars. We've grown slowly, but we don't, we can grow the right way. So that's why it's taken a little while to go direct to consumer. And then a lot of the funeral homes will provide this for their families. So you can go to our website, sign up for it. Or if you're a business owner that wanted to include this or gift the service, then we have a big discounted fee. Um, that we can wholesale it to you and white label, it even under your brand name if we need to.
0: And so how can people find you? You mentioned the website that will be in the so- in the show notes also. Yep. And are you on social media at all?
1: Yep, absolutely. So I can send you the links, but we're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a lot of state tips and tricks on all those things as well.
0: Okay, good deal. I follow you there. So I have okay. seen some of your stuff. Thank you. <laughs> so. I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. Matt, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate your heart and your vision for what you're doing, for how you're helping families and the community. I believe that when you change the world for one person, you change the world. And then that ripple effect goes out to their families and their communities and their neighbors. It just makes the whole place better. And I like the Pollyanna world that I live in. <laughs> I like helping people and I like the the effects that I see from that. And I know that the things that you're doing are having that same impact in all 37 states. So I think that's, that, that's an awesome thing. So I'm so was excited to get you here and I'm excited to share this episode with others when it airs. And so again, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.
0: So thanks guys for listening again t- today. I so appreciate you coming. Please check the box that you want to subscribe, the little button, so that you don't miss another episode, and we'll see you next time on the Probate Podcast. That's all I have for now. New episodes of the Probate Podcast will come out on Thursdays. I also have a free public support group called Houston Probate Support on Facebook. You don't have to live in the greater Houston area to be a member, but I'd love to have you join me there. I'd love to have you join me on any of these platforms, including this podcast, and I'll share the links of where you can find me in the show notes below. I'm looking forward to us connecting. See you next time. And remember, you matter.